Welcome back to the Praying and Slaying podcast, a Light the Fire Outdoors production. On this episode, Aaron and Jeremy discuss the finer points of some hot conservation topics going on around the country, how to talk dirty to a traditional bow hunter, and the lost art of using personal values when making personal life decisions. With that, let's jump in with Aaron and Jeremy. But no, it's actually, it's been a little bit since uh, you and I've had a chance to talk. You've been... uh, living in the we've been living in the tacti universe here and uh the sales side's definitely been heating up and your all your stuff seems to be ramping up like crazy we got some new conservation partners some new fundraising partners yeah you've been, it's you've awesome. been uh, getting your feet wet all over the place yeah yeah trying to keep trying to keep my head above water and that's that's exciting news and um no we're partnering with the national deer association so check them out um, now is the national deer association is that previously known as uh, qdma or is that I something different because I, 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 I thought at one time when we were looking at uh working with those guys back in the day on a on a national scale as well the qdma guys uh, called the deer management association i thought they were looking at changing their like branding and i so when i saw the national deer association i thought huh i wonder if that's their new thing they had some sort of a merger they were talking about when i was talking to the guys but i'm not 100 percent sure what the merger was okay um but yeah they uh but they were talking about that i just saw that they signed on with first light too so they're partnering with or first light sent me an email that they're partnering with nda so that's kind of cool news i wouldn't sure. be surprised if it is the same uh ones because you know like uh you know, first light for those of you yeah who it know, is looking at their website media, it but... was yeah looking at their website it was qdma okay yeah because i was yep. say the um is it doug duran is the guy's name that uh is always the, the one of the guys that's a regular guest on the meat eater shows and stuff and he's big time in the qdma stuff in wisconsin okay yeah so in 2020 qdma merged with national deer alliance to form the national deer association so, okay yeah very cool yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on in that. I know uh, just the conservation world in general, they're always, you know, there seems like it doesn't matter what organization it is. Their mantra is typically like, oh, we're, we're losing hunters and we've got to figure out ways to do it. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, different initiatives out there to try to gain and retain and uh, transplant hunters and things like that. Um, but I think a lot of it, I, I believe it was the guy from QDMA I was talking to at one point. And a lot of the stuff that they're actually gearing towards is a little bit different. So they're, you know, they're more of a habitat um, specialist or they, they, their thing is less of, Hey, let's see how much ground we can acquire to give public access to, which is most of the initiatives that go towards a lot of these other conservation organizations in the generic sense. Um, and there's is more of how do you, as a private landowner, set your property up for the best quality habitat possible, um, work with land managers around you to provide, you know, big giant tracks of even in private, the private sector, which is kind of cool. And I'm sure other organizations do it too, but I know there seem to be a little bit more dedicated to that. And then also they have a lot of initiatives going towards, if it was the same group, um, kind of that field the table movement, which I actually, you know, the more I think about it is a way more effective means of recruiting new hunters into the sport, because if we're losing hunters for lack of need of hunting, it's like, okay, so how do you connect with somebody who has a zero interest in maybe the, the quote unquote hunt piece of it, but, um, and they go out and they do like the, they'll set up tables and stuff at different places. I ran into them at the farmer's market out here in great falls one day. And they set up a table with a bunch of wild game meat and they say, Hey, this is a elk okay. burger. This is a turkey sausage. This is whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they give you information about how you can get involved in providing meat for your family and, and getting into knowing exactly where your food is sourced and, you know, start to finish processes and stuff. So it's kind of a whole different mentality about the recruitment process, which I thought was cool. Okay. Right on. Yeah, I know that's, that's, that's good to know for sure. So I'm supposed to be getting their, uh, their magazine in the mail here that talks more about them. So oh, cool. I'm pretty excited about that. You know, I don't think that we have any chapters out West. There's a chapter in North Dakota. I think that it's closest to us here in, in Montana, but okay. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, definitely exciting to be getting involved with those guys. Um, we're also getting involved with, uh, the fallen outdoors. They're, a 
a veterans organization. I saw that. How big are they? Like what, what all do they do and how many chapters and stuff do they have? Oh, they've got a ton of people. Um, they've got like 13,000 people in North Carolina alone, I think. Okay. Is that where it started out of? No, it started in Washington state to be honest with you. Okay. So started out west. But it started for Tacticam on the East Coast. Okay. So, so yeah. So we're trying to get involved with those guys. They so they're they they do events and they try and take guys hunting and fishing, veterans hunting and fishing and such. Um, and then they, um, you know that that's kind of their goal is to get uh, get guys you know, get vets out hunting and fishing and they have fundraiser banquets and events. And they did like, I think it was a either squirrel hunt or rabbit hunt that they took and uh, got a bunch of tactic camp solos and, and uh big event that, that was a big hit here. Oh, two or three weeks ago, I think. And, uh, and it was very good. Uh, very good for that. So awesome. You know, yeah, and, that's very and cool. So and so it looks like, looks like it's just going to be a good opportunity, and it's a great organization, you know. And and of course, you being a veteran, and Rudy being a veteran, and all that just kind of helps helps uh, helps us go after it, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you know, as far as uh, flight for outdoors is concerned, um, you know, that's kind of our our mantra too. Is uh, you know, every all the stuff that uh, you know people get through us and any money raised through light fire outdoors proceeds goes towards uh, conservation support, veteran support, and then, um, you know, faith ministry stuff, uh, in like local areas. And so, um, every, every, uh, dollar that's made gets split up three ways and that's where it goes. But, um, you know, having those partner organizations like that, that kind of do a dual purpose type opportunity are pretty cool. So definitely some opportunities for us to look into too, to give back to. Yep. Yep. And they're taking and uh, so their big thing is is suicide prevention too. You know, it's trying mm-hmm. to trying to help combat that through uh, uh, introducing veterans to outdoor activities and stuff. So, um, which is that's, so that's it's a big thing, man. I mean, uh, there's yeah. actually a guy we met at uh, I think it was the ISE uh, International Sportsman's Expo in Sacramento, California last year with Rudy, um, a gentleman. Uh, can't remember his name right now, but anyway, he just did his for he was talking to us about his uh kind of his veteran support opportunity and that's exactly what it was for is getting those guys those uh kind of helping them build a a community when they get back with other guys who've been through the same stuff um you know have similar experiences guys that they can bounce things off of and just kind of have that emotional support network but doing it through the outdoors and i just saw on facebook the other day that they had their first ever um like ruck march basically so they go backpacking through a wilderness area and i think they're going to do it through different wilderness areas across the country but they just got done with their first one so um, went backpacking through one climbed a mountain um in it and then it looked like they had a camp out and then kind of back but just he posted a ton of pictures from it. it looked like it was a good event like about five or six guys but um you know those five or six guys i'm sure got some good experience out of that yeah right on good deal so. Good deal. So, and then something else. I don't did it. Did you get my email the other day about? Uh, and this podcast might not air soon enough for this, but uh, the Washington State reviewing the equipment, uh, reviewing cameras on their muzzleloaders and bows. I did get that email. Yeah, and so we've been doing that. Um, yeah, Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Uh, those three states specifically, uh, we've kind of had things in the works all like for a while. And Oregon just passed the archery thing this last year, yep. which is a huge win. So for for those of you who don't know, one of the things, uh, the further west you get, it seems to be uh, a little bit more. I guess I'll use the word or words old fashioned when it comes to uh, what equipment you can and can't use to take animals. Um, so trail cameras have a lot of different regulations that you don't see out in the Midwest um, or East Coast. Uh, cameras so tactic cams on your guns and bows is something as simple as documenting your hunting experience is illegal um, in a lot of states and uh, when I moved up here to Montana actually the first thing like right out of the gate uh, Montana just passed that you could actually have a camera on your gun or bow for for well, for your bow I guess for filming um, but Oregon and right. Washington are still two holdout states and Idaho is 100% holdout they they don't allow it on gun or bow right now uh, but Oregon well, just I passed it on archery and or- now Washington are yep. they getting close on it or well they're talking about it on friday at 1305 pacific so okay 
Yeah, I saw you launch it out to the, the team guys to go ahead and get your get their voices. Yeah, um, there was a bunch. Of, there was some questionnaires and stuff, and now they're going to talk about it. And uh, there's not a bunch of time on the agenda so talking with some of my team guys in washington they think that they're just going to kind of roll out and say that this is what we've decided on that so we're hoping that they decided that there's no advantage to uh being able to kill animals with a camera mounted to your muzzle loader or shotgun so they say you can do it that's kind of yeah. what we're hoping for no that's good and i think so, one of the you know having been in several of those conversations and, and, you know, letter writing back and forth with different uh, politicians on, I think less of the concern tends to be the advantage of the camera. So I mean, it, it's a very easy argument to, to jump onto is, uh, you know, it, there isn't an advantage of, if anything, there's a lack of advantage that I have to go out of my way to push a button on my, as easy as that is, it's one extra step I have to do if I actually want to get my hunt on film, but there's no, you know, I'm not killing that animal any easier because of that camera being there um and so that tends to be the argument but really i think the, the the background thing is they're more afraid of loopholes that any any little thing that they give to they're afraid that the next little thing will be a slippery slope argument and then you have like these traditional archery organizations and stuff that are actually fighting the opposite battle they don't want these things to happen because they already think you know in some cases that even a compound bow is too easy to kill something um you got these, those are the guys that are fighting that slippery slope argument of it of, oh, what's the next thing that's coming if this is allowed. But I think Montana did a great, uh, did it in a really good way that I think other states should really look into um, piggybacking off of is all they did is write, they leave the law the same. You can't have electronics on your bow, but then they write exemptions. So there is an exemption for lighted knocks on your arrows. And then now there's an exemption for camera devices for the sole purpose of documenting your hunt. It doesn't leave any gray area there. And the law remains the same. Like there's, you can't have electronics that aid in the harvest of an animal, but these are okay. You can have these ones. So I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, you take and, um, and I guess we could, I don't know, we could, let's do it. Let's talk crossbows, right? Since we're talking about laws <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. traditionalists and being in Montana, there is, I can't remember, there was a, a crossbow bill in the legislature here this yep. session. It Did still it may be active. I don't know. Uh, I'll take and do a little Google in while we're talking and see if I can find out. Yeah, I saw, but, I saw, because even some of our uh, Tacticam dealers, I saw were voicing in on the different posts I'd seen on it, you know, comment how they didn't, they didn't like it. They don't, they don't like the idea of crossbows being allowed in a general archery season. Yeah. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah. <sighs> Man, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I really don't it, have a, first a, off, is, is it, uh, let me, let me, is it legal in Iowa? For, uh, you have to be, but... you have to have like a physical handicap in the state of Iowa. And I think you can have um, now this is, I believe I'll have to look this up too. When we have to post the regulations in the show notes on this, but, um, if I remember right, Iowa, you can use it if you were physically handicapped during the archery season. And then I think you can use a crossbow though, um, outside of archery season. So if like, it's a late muzzle loader and you're sitting in a ground blind, I think you can use it because it's classified okay. as a firearm. It's not classified as a piece of archery equipment. Um, but I'll have to, I'll have to do some research on that. But yeah, the only people I know that have ever used crossbows that I've seen have been um, either youth or uh, like extreme youth. Like I, I think there's an age limit to it. And then uh, handicapped people, you actually had to have a handicap card basically to be able to do that. And uh, you could get that done through the DNR. Yeah. Okay. So then what about um, Virginia or did you hunt deer in virginia or when you i hunted deer in virginia yeah and i i think crossbows uh out there i'm pretty sure uh crossbows were wide open i don't and again i'll have to do a little research and i'll post the okay. uh, show notes on that as well I, I didn't dig into it much out there but i do know it was a much more popular thing than it ever was in the midwest where i grew up um a lot of guys had crossbows uh, a lot of people and they weren't handicapped so i think it was uh it was okay out there to use during archery but i didn't know and having said that i don't I didn't go hunting with anybody that actually brought one out in the field with them. Everybody had a compound bow that I hunted with out there. Okay. And then, uh, so what about, uh, so yeah, so now with that background, what's your thoughts on them? So my thoughts on hunting in general, I, I, I get more annoyed at people that feel the need to go back and forth 
over things that I don't consider like super significant advantages. So, you know, like I, I have more of an opinion about hunting hounds or, you know, hunting bears in Montana with hounds. Cause that's came up recently in, in, uh, you know, discussions and things than I do about what method of take you use, even though in a weird way, it's the same thing. Um, but so as far as crossbows are concerned, guy, I mean, really the, the effective range of a crossbow. And if, if you've ever shot one or seen one shot, I mean, at the end of the day, compound bows the technology is there and the speeds are there the arrow efficiencies are there i think you're really shooting the same thing it's just how you want to do it you want to hold it like a gun or do you want to draw that bow and so then i think it comes down to more of a personal preference i don't think it's all that much more effective to the point of you're going to see any kind of gigantic increase in effectiveness out in the field that's my personal opinion on it um and then having hunted in montana in a few different places for uh, archery for elk, I think is probably where it would get the most scrutiny out of it because your elk hunters or elks, like the big, big ticket item out here. Um, I think it's hard enough getting within any kind of bow, like rifle range of some elk sometimes, let alone getting within bow range. So if you got a crossbow in your hand or a compound, you're still fighting the same battle. You got to get within 60, 70 yards of that, that animal for those tools to be effective. And I think that's just tough. It, it, I don't care what you're carrying. I think it's the same the same fight either way so i don't see it as a gigantic advantage in my opinion so okay. I'm, I'm not against i'm not against crossbows for generic archery season i don't think it gives a, a guy enough argument to to say so now i could be totally wrong you could see elk kill well, numbers skyrocket in archery season and all of a sudden everybody be shaking their head but i i just I, the way i envision it having never and that's another thing i should say i've never crossbow hunted but having you know said all that i, I just don't see it as an advantage over right. a tradition over a compound bow that has today's technology behind it yeah well so the other thing that uh um so i i've shot a i shot a white-tailed doe in 2020 with a crossbow out of okay. ground blind on a friend's weapon restriction area uh in um rifle season okay and but it was re weapons restriction now you have to check in montana some weapons restriction areas specifically say you cannot use crossbows so okay. you got to make sure you're in one that you can but uh in weapons restriction basically is a traditional straight walled handgun car uh cartridge in a handgun or a shotgun or a muzzle loader um or a crossbow or mm -hmm. a regular bow either compound traditional recurve whatever um and before that i was kind of indifferent on the whole situation i'm like well i don't know if if uh you know first off people said crossbows and i grew up in montana and i grew up in the montana bow hunting community and that is a dirty 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 word in the montana bow hunting community <laughs> um, then i was listening to a meat eater podcast and Steve Ranella brought up a really good point and said, if more people hunt because we, because they will use a crossbow, whereas they wouldn't use a traditional bow, then we're getting more hunters and that's more important, which kind of got the wheels turning in my head a little bit. And I thought, well, I don't want more hunters because well, I want, that's a I don't want more hunting too, pressure, yeah. but, but at the same time, hunters as a na nationwide number have been going down declining every year mm -hmm. now in montana i think in montana and western hunting it's been getting more and more going up every year it sure feels like that i think it's getting uh, more popular i don't know if the the number of hunters is necessarily going up as much as the number of transplant or traveling hunters is going up in this state right. we're getting so much more exposure from other states uh it's getting crazy so well and then we're getting a lot more people moving in which means we have more resident over the counter exactly days, yeah I, I, means, well I've, that's funny you want you to know. get into some good reading if you got time to kill hop on uh any one of the montana hunting pages and start seeing all the people from california washington oregon that have moved to montana and they're asking hey i'm oh. i moved here from california where can i elk hunt <laughs> right, <laughs> you, uh, <yeah. laughs> you want to read some comment strings dude it's uh it gets pretty ugly pretty quick so yeah well that's welcome to my life i, I get as, it I, 100 as a montana it. native it's it, and it's really tough because i want people out there i want people to more um 
I want people to be hunting. I think the more the more hunters we have, the more conservation uh, that gets pushed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the more monetary you know. power behind everything. I mean, so there's there's that as well. And then so then I went out with a crossbow and I shot in a ground blind. And first off, I had to have a tripod to rest the crossbow on because mm-hmm. them things are heavy. Ain't I'm, I think oh, my yeah. 338 Lapua is lighter than my crossbow. And <laughs> probably is. No joke. Yeah. So to try and shoot that thing offhand is like, holy cow, you know? So, and then the, and maybe it's just me only hunting very little. And I don't have a lot of crossbow experience. I've only ever owned one crossbow, shot it a number of times, shot one animal with it. Um, but to me, it's a pain in the neck to hunt with, you know? You take and you, you cock the crossbow and then you throw a bolt in it. Mm-hmm. but you only throw the bolt in whenever you're ready to shoot so to me it's like man i don't think i could be hiking around the woods with a bolt in the crossbow yep and then you run the risk of dry fire in it and you read about people losing their limbs with a from the power of that string moving forward mm-hmm. you know like it straight up chops fingers off and stuff because because of the pure force yeah that's what the that's what the owner's manual leads you to believe right right yeah i'm like and i'm like man i don't know that i want to be hiking around the some of the areas where we elk hunt packing this thing that shoots 60 yards that's heavier than my 338 lapua that shoots a mile you know yeah and and then trying to take and load an arrow into it or pack it around with a sharp pointy stick that doesn't retain into the arrow track very well mm-hmm. um and and so i part of me thinks that man the okay the guy that's got river bottom property that's sitting in a tree stand and whatever yeah he might kill more animals with a crossbow but let's face it he's probably killing it's probably a private land scenario. The guy probably has more, um, Oh yeah. More, more animals than needed on that, As that say, area. If you've been and in, if it's for, for reference, yeah, just to that point, if, if you've, uh, if you've never been to Montana and just kind of seen how animals disperse across the landscape here, if what Jeremy's talking about, if you have a river bottom property, or can hunt on a river bottom property, there are more whitetails typically in those areas. I mean, they're like rats. They are absolutely everywhere and they, they're thick, thick, thick. So yeah, I mean, exactly. You got, you got more uh, doe tags out there to fill, have at it because you're not going to put a dent in that population. Yeah. Well, and, and then, you know, if it's public land where it's getting pressure, I don't see how you get any extra advantage over having a crossbow you know mm-hmm. um so to me it was like well this is kind of just a moot point you know i don't know i think yeah. if i think if all the traditionalist bow hunters went out that that make their handmade uh, you know osage bows which are freaking awesome and i respect the art of traditional bow hunting and the, the time oh, yeah. that it takes but if the, if those guys actually went and hunted with the crossbow they'd probably go like this sucks you know this i don't right. I don't want to do this. This is way harder to manipulate and it's big and bulky and clunky and everything else. And, you know, um, so. And now that's, that's my second side to that argument too. Exactly. I've, I've, I've said it, I think you and I have talked about it before, even at, uh, they've got crossbows down in, um, uh, big sky archery down in Bozeman. And yeah. I, I, I was talking to Gabe, the owner about him one time and, He's like, dude, I was trying to get him to couple some Tacticams and FTSs when we launched the FTS line on them. He said, dude, if I put the Tacticams on those, he said, they'd be sitting there five years from now. No one wants a crossbow. And, uh, and that was kind of the, my mentality with it too, is like after hiking up and down a mountain, like anything that's big, clunky, got to carry a tripod for it, all those extra things. Like, and, and uh, safety, in my opinion, is probably the biggest thing. And if you're going to carry a crossbow safely, you've got it decocked and unloaded. I mean, I don't, there's so many things, like I snag everything else I have in the woods, whether it's my gun, my bow, my backpack, my head, whatever, walking up and down mountains on trees, dude, I don't even want to think about having a loaded crossbow for anything to snag in. Cause uh, I've had a compound bow derail on me, you know, like blow up in my hands one time drawing it because I didn't realize that there was a little clump of grass from where I had set it down in a ground blind before. 
um, you know, that just got caught between the string and the wheel. Now you imagine a, a twig you don't see on a crossbow with so much extra force behind it getting snapped right. off in there. Like that'd be super scary. And then like you said, I, I just think they're cumbersome. I just, it doesn't even intrigue me to carry it around. So no. And you know, that's something. And I guess in my mind, I think if all these guys took and you know, worked after common sense conservation in my mind, I guess. And uh, instead of pushing all this time and effort, and this is just my opinion, and I'm very opinionated, but, you know, they put, <laughs> they put all this time and effort into fighting crossbows. And it's like, why don't you take and put time and effort and money that you do into fighting crossbows and create deer overpasses and underpasses and fences and stuff to try and keep them off the highways and getting hit like yep. Wyoming's been doing. I mean, I think they've been doing a fantastic job of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the yeah, fight the good animals, fight. I mean, the amount of animals that you see driving around on a Montana road any day of the week, it's like I, I'm driving to where <laughs> I'm staking out my lot here a little bit later. And it's about a 45 minute drive. And I will see either a blood stain or a dead deer on my way there or way back yep. guaranteed 100 and, and maybe multiples you know yeah and th- so that's happening every day every three days every you know if it's a blood stain it's, it might have happened a few days ago but but you can attest to this if you're outside of uh montana metropolis which <laughs> which we don't really have metropolis well, towns or cities california but, is turning them into that pretty quick well right right so but if you have that going on then then the uh they're taking in and you know they're those deer are getting killed every single day or elk or you know i was out i was out ice fishing in eastern montana and i was driving through and i saw three three roadkill elk you know wow along the side of the road so it's like instead of taking and pushing some of this and and we could really touch on the hot topic of the outfitter sponsored tags uh oh yeah very very mixed feelings about that bill in the office but i think that the attention that that's got from some of the national platforms um of people that don't live in montana that want to public land hunt in montana has been huge and if you wonder if that money and that voice could have been better used um to take and uh uh you know spend it on more conservation more land access uh underpass you know keeping the deer and elk that we have alive Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of getting hit by cars just because i think my conclusion of that outfitter sponsor tags and i've lived here when they're i mean i'm old enough to remember when i was a kid there was outfitter sponsored tags in montana and then i'm old enough to remember when there wasn't or young enough to remember when there wasn't mm-hmm. and so that used to be know, a thing it was it was something that went oh away. yeah it was a, okay yeah it was something that went away when i was you know 15 years old mid mid to late 90s 15 17 years old something like that i can't remember the exact year but Mm -hmm. enough that i had hunted when there was out you know i was actually active as a hunter when there was outfitted sponsors tags and i feel like there was a lot less pressure on public land that's my at least in my areas and that's my opinion but uh but then you look through and you know, so I've got a couple of hunting buddies and friends and I've gone back and forth and, and some of them have friends that hunt here every year from out of state. So they're adamantly against it. And after all this, you know, I'm talking 30, 40, 50 hours of conversations and emails back and forth and, and each other taking and And I was playing the devil's advocate to my buddy was super for it. And I was playing that devil's advocate and lawyer arguing or he was he was against it against the new house bill that would bring back outfitter sponsored tags Mm -hmm. i so i just tried to counter his every argument and then the conclusion that we came to at the end of you know two weeks of emails and phone calls and and text messages back and forth is you mentioned that you're opinionated yeah right (laughs) i I mean just but i'm all for it but i get to the 
idea that you're emailing back and forth with a buddy over two weeks is <laughs> I can imagine the conversation points on that. Well, and then the whole thing is, is you come and look at the end of it and it's like, it doesn't really even move the needle that much if it goes or it doesn't go. How's it going, guys? Just wanted to take a little bit of a break from the podcast to let you guys know what's new at lightthefireoutdoors.com. As you've heard in the podcast, we are now Blackhound Optics dealers. So go check the Blackhound Optics line out. They are awesome, awesome scopes. We finally got some chance to put some rounds through them. And man, I tell you what, glass quality is fantastic. The value you get from buying a Blackhound Optic is unbeatable. You actually get all the mounting equipment you need right in the box, plus some of the best scopes that are out there at an amazing, amazing price point. So go check them out, guys. If you're looking for a new optic, support Light the Fire Outdoors by getting yours through us, the Blackhound Optics there. All of the products they offer are listed and stocked on the website. Also, go check out the new LTFO 4-inch by 4-inch decals. Great for coolers, laptops, truck windows, anywhere you guys stick decals. You want to show off your support for Light the Fire Outdoors, Veterans Conservation, and Faith-Based Ministry. Um, go ahead and get yourself one of those. Get yourself five of those. They're going like crazy. There's a limited supply. Go ahead and get yours today. Again, guys, lightsfireoutdoors.com. Go check us out. We appreciate your support. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. You know, it's it's so, so minute that I don't think it's really going to change that much. I don't need it. So. I don't think it'll, yeah, change a whole lot, but I think it, it pushes things back in the right direction for better opportunities for anybody resident or non-resident in my opinion to have a better experience when they come out here if you just have because like you said it doesn't change all that much montana is a very non-resident friendly state to hunt in which i think is why you got all the backlash from you know the the public or the the big visibility um i guess media people so like yeah Yeah. platforms like randy newberg media or those guys um that were highly well against and go it, but, hunt was highly against it too yeah. but of course they make their money on people off exactly so and and, and all these them. platforms do if they're advertising to a customer base who lives in virginia that wants to come out and hunt elk yes no better place in montana is what their motto would be and they're right. going to advocate for that which i don't argue with their advocation for the public lands which i think is what makes montana so special but um the but amount if they of pressure take, that I've seen in the short amount of time I've lived here, I can't even imagine how drastically different, even from what I've noticed, how much different that is for you guys as you know, native Montanans, talking to all kinds of different people. It's amazing how the landscape's changed in 15 years. That is probably yeah. a direct correlation to these media people pushing the opportunities that are here, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's moving to Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where yeah. I grew up, you know, I'll <laughs> yep. say it. I mean, Newburgh, he, he went there and in the mid 90s so he's been there long long he's been there a while yeah you know and and uh you know yeah it's a great place to live and oh well except for now it's like la but you know we can get into that but i guess the you know that's the the thing is is um you know all these i guess my point is is how many millions of dollars were spent on on platforms and and advertising and social media advertising and, and social media yep. and it's like why don't you guys take and take let's say you spent 10 million bucks go buy a 10 million dollar property that unlocks access to our landlocked private lands in montana or public lands in montana yeah you know and and if outfitter sponsor tags come back they come back because it really doesn't move the needle needle that much and and that might have been or or go put in an <laughs> underpass where you know deer get killed every single day in this area so let's you know let's put in some three million bucks to do or what you know i i'm not saying it's i don't know the cost of that but i think that uh you know some of these some of these bridges for for uh deer to go over a highway aren't engineered like a uh one that traffic's going to go over every single day so it's you know it's expensive but it's not necessarily that expensive and it goes on forever you know, yeah. that'll last for 200 years, 100 years. I don't know how long it'll last. Yeah, outfit it with solar panels and put a green energy marker on it too. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> well, so so like, I mean, some stuff too, like common sense, like if you drive through Banff National Park mm-hmm. um, up in Canada, and, and I went through when I was, uh, it's been a few years. My wife and I spent our honeymoon there. But awesome. they have, they have, um, all of their trees in the park are 
uh, basically logged to within 20 feet of the highway, let's call it. And it okay. might not be that exact map. So you have open area. You don't have trees running up next to the highway like we do here in Montana. Mm -hmm. And then they had sensors and lights. So if there was an animal that came through, it would turn a, they would trip a sensor and turn a light on to alert you as a driver that there were animals. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, and, and I don't know if I should do some more research instead of just having an opinion. And maybe I will, if someone wants to argue with me on it, that'll get me. Really <laughs> if there's do any the volunteers research. listening to this podcast, I want to email back and forth <laughs> with Jeremy for two weeks. You have two weeks yeah. to make your argument. And, and I could be wrong. I mean, you get I a free tactic area, light the fire outdoors decal if you beat him. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, the funny, but, but that's something that, you know, you, I'm not saying that the super expensive overpass and underpasses are the way that we've got to go, but some of but the point, exactly. Put be. them, put the money into something that benefits everybody benefits the landscape benefits the animals and quit arguing over dumb stuff. Like if it's not yeah. going to drastically alter your landscape or your hunting experience or, and none of it does like the traditional archer. If a guy walks out in the field with a crossbow in his hand, does it actually affect you? I would argue that it doesn't. I don't Except I don't for if it affects you because then they give out less tags because more deer get that that's the devil's advocate that's the devil's advocate right? but I, I think you we've both discussed like how uh, we don't have to argue into it but like I, I just right. I, I would I would actually I think it'd be worth a case study to see like what the actual percentage difference is because if it's only available during archery season then if you put caveats on it like you got to be x percent handicapped and how many act, how many new hunters are you actually throwing out there in the woods every year? And if they're right. sitting in a tree stand on private ground, you're probably not hunting their property with a traditional bow anyway, possibly. Right. But you know, same thing. This you know, if the tag bill, like you said, and I didn't realize it was something that's been here before. So that's an interesting take. You know, coming from a, a native Montanan who's seen it both ways, and it's not all that different. Well, what have at it? My original argument for was. It keeps all the out-of-state hunters off the public lands and on the areas that that manage for elk, right? Right. And and the other thing is there's a lot of ranches that made a lot of money from out-of-state hunters paying ten, twelve thousand bucks for a hunt. And so they leased it out. And then mm -hmm. it, those hunters would push elk onto public land, but then uh, but since that they can't make that money uh for the, from the outfitters a lot of those leases have have expired and then the ranch is shut down and you can go to some of the ranches around um montana that have thousands and tens of thousands of elk on them during hunting season because they're sanctuary areas mm -hmm. and they don't get hunted and those area those ranches previously were hunted but once outfitted sponsored tags went away then they took and um didn't take and renew lease you know outfitters couldn't afford to pay for leases i guess right and so you're you're starting so, to what you're doing is you're taking away massive amounts of opportunity for more people because those elk pin up in an area that they're just not going to get hunted they're not getting messed with guess where they stay next thing you yep. know season's over and anybody that was hunting the grounds around there is very limited on what they actually got an opportunity to to get after now my biggest problem with the bill is it gives a certain amount of um, it's a government created monopoly monopoly for certain businesses, you know? Also explain that. that. So basically if they say outfitters are allotted so many tags that have to be bought through outfitters, then outfitters are guaranteed. Let's say they get a thousand tags for 10, you know, a thousand tags for a thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, hundred thousand dollars or a million bucks. I can't remember a million bucks. Yeah. Don't do math in public. <laughs> <laughs> I was, that's why I kept my mouth shut. I'm like, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> 1000 tags. I'm pulling up my calculator. 1000 tags for a thousand dollars a piece is $1 million. Yeah. So you're essentially saying that $1 million is going to outfitters for these and they're getting that money. Uh, just due to this bill, you know. Well, the the outfitters have to buy them, though, right? Right, but they're going to so make the money, money off of them. 
They will, so but then they're they, also guaranteeing that a million dollars worth of revenue is going to the state to put back into whatever conservation funds are out there. No, but I'm saying the thousand dollars, if that's what the outfitters make on the tag, they're guaranteed a million dollars because the government says that they get a portion of these tags. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. And they're going to sell so, for way more than a thousand. Right, right. But they're going to sell they, for... Uh, how many outfitters, I guess, across the state of Montana, though, do those get distributed to? Because it's not going to be, you know, one guy is not going to get a thousand of them or a hundred no, of them. No, or... no, it's it. And there's other government programs. We're an agricultural state. You get government handouts for being a farmer. And I yep. come from a, I come from a family of farmers. So I'll, I'll take it. Who knows? I'm probably going to get flamed, but Hey, you know, bad news is also good news, right? It That's might right. Take get more people. This might go viral and people might be knocking at my door saying, Jeremy, you suck. How can you be a <laughs> We hate you, but I got thick skin and I can take it. But yeah, yeah. that's my biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, I'm pretty conservative. I believe in capitalism. I believe in uh, the American dream and a lot of things that uh, the world's trying to take away from us these days. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and this is my biggest problem is that that portion of the bill says we're going to take this guaranteed revenue and we're going to take it off the free market and give it to our special interest groups of outfitters, you know. And I'm not saying, I mean, that sounds super dirty-ish and, and a lot of... No, I, I definitely but, get what you're saying. I just... So but I those, want it to sound that way because I'm trying to make it sound like it. I mean, because, you know, well, hey. and I'm trying to for you know people who might not get this, I guess, or, or understand where I think where Jeremy's going is. So what Jeremy's talking about now is if you pull a thousand tags out of the pot uh, that would normally be available for public draw, public over the counter, you know, whatever the case is, you're, you're guaranteeing that that money for sure is going into the pockets it's, it's getting back to the state from a revenue perspective, which is good because that goes back into, um, you know, all these other things, you know, public lands, everything else, but you're also taking, you know, that million dollars of, you know, guaranteed sales basically, because people are still going to come for a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks or whatever they're paying to hunt that. So you're, you're taking all that extra money that put in the pockets of just this, you know, limited outfitter pool of business people because they're all running businesses, but you're taking it away from, you know, the, the, the bigger picture here is you're taking it away, you know, indiscreetly from these different other areas where a guy might buy the over-the-counter tag from the state. He gives the state 1200 bucks for his combo license for deer and elk, but then he's going to drive, you know, to uh, Dillon, Montana, for example, and he's going to buy gas and food in a hotel room and like all these things. Instead of now, he's going to go get lodging on one ranch in Montana. And that's only going to, all that money is going to that one specific spot. It's not getting distributed where normally the mass distribution of these hunters would normally no, be going. But let me stop local there. Communities. I, my argument is not the distribution because it's still okay. gets distributed. Yeah. If he goes to that local ranch, he tips. The, and in fact, it may, I can argue that it'll get distributed more because that guy's going to tip the guy that, that he's his guide. Yep. And that guy's going to go down to the local bar and tip the waitress. And yep. that waitress is going to local community still rent still and survives. Yeah. So my problem is, is it's not a free market. That money's guaranteed to those numbers. Exactly. That, that's what I meant by of, distributing is like, it's, right, it's, right. Uh, it's, it's concentrating it in a certain spot instead of letting well, you know, capitalism happen and it being a free enterprise basically there's there's people that are saying that the, on both sides of the aisle that says it gets distributed more if a hunter comes and does it all diy and then there's people that says that it gets distributed more if it if a guide comes in and pays for it and i'm uh, personally of the belief that it's more profitable and more money comes into the state on a guided hunt because those people pay a lot more for that guided hunt than a DIY hunt. And if right. it's not just a thousand dollar tag fee you're talking the about, you're talking about people the full cost. Be arguing about it. You know right. what I mean? It, well, exactly. It's going to cost them more to come here and hunt. Randy Newberg, and I'll call him out on this. He does episodes in, 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 in his episode is how to hunt Montana. And he, he's got an episode for how to hunt Montana as a non-resident for, I can't remember. 2,000, 2,500 bucks, something like that. You know, his, 
his camera guy, Marcus, who's awesome and I love his content and everything else, but he went and said how to hunt moose in Alaska. And he and his wife and the cameraman caught tracked all their costs did an episode on how to break it all down and it was like 7500 bucks and i guarantee you can't do a guided moose hunt in alaska for 7500 bucks not so so you know if it's costing 12,000 bucks more money's coming into the state of uh, alaska than the 7500 you know there's five thousand dollars more so Mm -hmm. but like i said earlier you can track all these numbers and you can go back and i did i i got a buddy who's really good at uh, he's smart fellow too and we went back and forth and information on a lot of this and and uh just you know agreed to disagree and decided that it doesn't (laughs) move the it doesn't move the needle and we've already wasted way too much time on it (laughs) (laughs) and then i bring it up in a podcast or we start talking about some of this stuff but no it's good it's good i mean part of the mission out here is Go ahead. We got there because of legislation and laws yep. and stuff like that. Well, and there's a lot, there's a lot going on right now. And I don't know if I'm just more in tune with it with uh, different conservation stuff or if it's just that big of a topic in a lot of places. Um, you know, this this legislative run versus other years, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And you know, that's again part of light to fire outdoor stuff goes towards conservation. So it's definitely an important topic. And right. You know, and a lot I of listeners might not it, be from places where a lot of this stuff's going on anyway. So it's probably good to let other people kind of know. And, and it, well, let's be honest, we we made an active effort before we started recording this podcast not to dive into some of the other political spectrums right. uh, that are happening right now in our in our universe in the United States. But, um, you know, it's it, this type of stuff goes unseen 90 percent of the time, I bet, because of all that extra overshadowing crap that goes on on the big scale, you know, like with, you know, presidents or whatever the case is, I think a lot of this stuff, people don't even get time to see, see or hear about or whatever. And I think a lot of it gets passed without a ton of public input, just from lack of education that it's even going on because it gets well, overshadowed. I, th- I think something else that, um, that you brought up a really good point is I think that, uh, hopefully I know with myself, um, this year I'm following a lot more that's going on in the state legislature because Mm -hmm. of the current political climate abroad. And I think that, you know, obviously the hunting and fishing uh, laws are dear to me. So those are, those are close, you know, Um, we here at LTFO are believers. So there's some bills on, you know, freedoms and religion and, and, you know, the transgender, um, a lot of transgender bills going on in the, the mm-hmm. government. I've been following those. I'm a big second amendment person. I think that, uh, mm-hmm. that I follow those and, uh, you know, and I think you and I, um, have talked before, you know, for me, the, the, the number one in my life personally, more important is, uh, is my relationship with my family and with God, mm-hmm. well, with God first <laughs> and then my family and the sanctity of human life. So, Absolutely. If, I have a, if I have a political candidate or a, or a, or a bill or, or someone supports that, that's going to be my, my number one reason that I'll, I'll back those people is, is, uh, you know, if they believe in, in, uh, America being a nation with, uh, religious freedom and, and, uh, you know, one nation under God, um, then I think that uh, that's my personal most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, and, and then the sanctity of human life is huge. You know, my wife and I have been married for a long time and uh, like 20, well, not quite 20 years, but 18 years, I think. And it took us a really long time to have kids. Um, and we tried to go through the whole adoption process and everything else. And that has taken and made me very uh, aware and um, uh, sensitive to laws pertaining, you know, abortion and and uh, you know um, adoption and, and those uh, those causes and stuff. And then third is is conservation. You know, so if there's conservation bills out there that are that we're talking about and as long as they check the box one and two then i'm gonna go for uh, well actually i guess there's two i kind of split out uh <laughs> so but uh or one i kind of split out and skip number two number two is my second amendment right 
you know. I, I was wondering um, where that was going to come in. So, I knew that yeah, we had this conversation sorry. before. I yeah, second round. Well, yeah. I just I kind of got I kind of got all choked up on the whole uh, the whole kids thing, you know. Oh, I know, man. That's um, that's pretty special. So, though. And you guys, uh, yeah. How how old's your second one? Because you guys just had your second not too long ago. Yeah, he's he's seven months. So seven months. Seven months I can't believe it's been that long already. Two and a half. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not so, a long time, but it's a while since. Thought about it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and I'm full on second amendment. Uh, uh, I think that, uh, we should be able to own, uh, you know, if, if it falls into a, uh, a firearm or a weapon, I think as an American, it's our God given right to own it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, machine guns. And, uh, I mean, obviously I respect the laws that we have and obey those but i i would love it if everybody could own machine guns or tanks or j fighter jets or whatever have, you know, <laughs> nuclear missiles yeah whatever <laughs> hey you know, <laughs> that's uh you know that's my belief and and so my, there are a lot of these guys out there that are in this hunting space that say oh we want a bolt action rifle well guess what people uh we're going to take and see bolt action rifles be called sniper rifles before too long. Yeah. Um, but we weren't going to get into that a lot, so we won't today. <laughs> no, but I love the, I love but, the kind of the direction it took though. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's something that gets missed and I think social media has got a lot to do with it um, without knowing the exact science behind it. I just know that the generic concept of social media is to funnel your vision for what it, like it being the computer thinks that you want to see. So if you're liking or sharing um, something, it logs that and says, okay, Aaron likes to see X, Y, and Z. I'm going to show him more of X, Y, and Z. He doesn't like this. And I think it also knows how to get reactions out of you too. Cause the more you interact with it, the more it's learning and the more it thinks it's doing its job. And so it's like a, you're, you're creating a smart computer that's tailored to, um, direct your vision in a certain direction because it, it likes getting your attention. So the more attention it can draw from you, the, the better it thinks it's doing and doing its job. And then obviously there's revenue tied to it from the people that run those algorithms to make those things that way. So, uh, but with, with having said that, I think, you know, our, um, you know, it could be probably argued both ways, but I think we're more polarized now just in general society than we probably ever have been, but I think a lot of it gets driven out, um, in those social media platforms. And with that, I think a lot of misinformation gets spread. And I think a lot of people lack the information they need to actually make a personal choice for them. And I think your personal values and not you specifically, but just people in general, I don't think we use our personal values anymore to make those types of decisions on who we're going to vote for. It's more important to us. than like, Oh, I, you know, I like president Trump or I don't like president Trump or, or whatever the case is. And you're making a decision because he said a comment you didn't like, or, um, you know, something that's actually in the grand scheme of things, very insignificant. I talked to more people when Trump was in, uh, you know, who maybe agreed or disagreed with my decision to support him. But every single time I had a conversation about it, the things they didn't like about him were totally insignificant things. And none of it had anything to do with his ability to lead a country, lead people, or what he personally believes in himself or his values he holds and the, and the values that align with what I thought he was a better choice for, for my vote when he was running. So, but you know, and those types of things, I think just get lost in translation a lot of times because we have such a loud voice get like focusing us in this not like insignificant direction and we don't have enough quiet time in our lives to sit back, reflect and say, what do you know, what do I actually feel about, um, you know, the, the two choices I have for president or like the, the things that are going on in our state level politics. We don't, we just don't think about it. We get, we're emotionally charged. We're not, um, or I guess the wrong type of emotionally charged. Uh, you're not, you're not focused on what's going on in your heart and where, where your, uh, where your personal values are, where your beliefs are, and then take the time to look up the information about these topics or people or everything else to say, okay, who aligns with me more? Because it's a personal choice. It's not a group choice. It's a, it's a very personal decision when you get involved in any kind of political scene, regardless if it's a conservation effort or, we're talking about crossbows and, and, uh, you know, yep. uh, art or, uh, whatever traditional archers, you know, those guys have personal choices they need to make and which one aligns with my values better, but which, you know, president aligns with my values better and all those things. I think people get lost in that, in the loud noise of it all right now. And I think just the climate we live in with social media being an everyday part of our life, it's just very tough. I think for our brains and our hearts and our spirits and everything else to really have time to think about what's most important to you personally. Right. 
Right. No, I think that's uh, that's really good thing, you know, insight too. And I think a lot of people, if they took uh, and decided that uh, they would make their personal choice and and that it's all right for us to have opinions and disagree too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I think if people do that, then it, uh, you know, it can get us back to a place where we were, you know, a few years ago as a country and, and not so decisive and, and, uh, you know, make America, make America great. Make America great. Yeah. Well, and I think it takes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of these things take, you know, you got to have a personal choice and a personal decision, but you also have to take personal action. And in a lot of ways, I don't think we're an active society anymore either, because your action is a, a like button or a, a dislike button or a share button on social media. Well, that just, all that does is funnel more traffic into that machine that doesn't go anywhere. Like your opinion does not matter really in any way, shape or form when you interact there. Whereas if you go to your local courthouse and cast a vote, or you go to a hearing on something on an issue that's going on in your area and those types of things, like there's, there's such a lack of physical action now um, probably more than ever. I, you know, I've even seen different people, starting to post stuff more politically charged, like uh, federal government charged, but like guys saying, oh, you're, you know, they're stripping your liberties uh, until you decide to stand up for them. It's like, who's actually going to stand up for them anymore? Because you think you're standing up for them. When I read that post, I'm like, oh yeah, I agree with that. And I like it. I'm going to share it. And then that's the only place it goes. And then guess what? They, your government or whoever can just keep running train on you because no one's actually acting. No one knows how to do that anymore. We've kind of lost touch with that ability i think too it's kind of a pretty crazy but yeah and i'm just gonna say i agree and not get into it too much (laughs) we don't we don't have to dive deep on this but no it's uh yes yes we and we could discuss this more but i don't have time to today i kind of have to get rolling here pretty quick yeah for sure stake out a lot but but that's exciting uh, man so jeremy's got yeah uh, you're getting ready to stake out your future future home is what we're going for so yeah still working with banks to get everything figured out and subs and you know material pricing is way too expensive right now but is what it is you know it's it's uh i sell sell cabinets and and doors and millwork and you know then uh the good news is is when it's expensive houses are selling so i'm making money you know absolutely man yeah so very cool well, heck yeah, man. We'll let you get back at it. But yeah, so uh, just a couple recap items uh, for LTFO. We did in the last podcast talk about a giveaway we're going to be doing. Uh, we're yep. finalizing the final touches on uh, the ball caps we're going to go with. So I want those to be a part of it, but I think we're going to launch that. So be stay in tune on our social media platforms, Instagram um, and Facebook for those announcements as well. And then uh, we're going to be launching that giveaway here pretty quick to get that rolling. Um, we got some new decals that just finally got here. Uh, actually, I think within the first uh, hour or so, it looks like we got five or six of them already sold. So they're moving pretty quick. So if you want to support LTFO, hop on lightfireoutdoors.com, grab yourself a decal, stick it on your laptop truck, whatever you have going on there <laughs> to let people know you support veterans conservation and the Light to Fire Outdoors mission. And uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff to come to. We got a new video I just got done editing up yesterday, uh, going over the Blackhound Optics one to eight by twenty eight uh, oh, nice. sight in process on the AR. It's a, it's a. I'm very impressed with it. Very, very impressed with it. Um, and then also, it's an overview video, kind of coupled with the Spotter LR uh, that Jeremy and I and John and all three of us use on our hunts. So uh, how to set right. that up. So good informational video and more informational stuff like that to start coming to while we edit up all the hunting videos. So. And so a little, I'm just going to recap our giveaway. We're giving away a reveal, uh, Tacticam reveal trail camera. And uh, it's one of mine that I used last year, but it's a great working order. It'll have the memory cleared and all that good stuff. I'm not going to pay for the subscription for the winter, but (laughs) but they'll get the camera anyways. Um, And what we're doing is when our Facebook page hits a thousand likes, we're going to draw a winner, but we're drawing a winner from our YouTube channel. And right now we only have 11 subscribers and I know I'm one of them and you're probably another <laughs> and yep. John's another. So that means you've got a one in eight chance to win. Yes. So, so if you're not one of those eight subscribers on the YouTube channel, that's uh, that's eligible to win, 
go subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can win. Um, and be sure to like uh, Eric mentioned, or not Eric, Aaron mentioned. You can edit that out. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> fine. Like, I haven't called like words. Aaron, like Aaron mentioned. Uh, be sure to like our Facebook page and um, our Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we're probably going to throw some other secret stuff into that uh, that giveaway as well. But yeah, the reveal. Uh, the number one selling trail camera of 2020, and I'm sure it's going to be the number one selling trail camera of 2021 this year. Um, you're going to get your chance to win one of those, uh, and there's going to be a, a big prize too. I'm going to put in there um, from LTFO, and then of course some swag items too. So we'll uh, more to come on that uh, on the the thousand light giveaway. So well, awesome man. Well, uh, better get heading over there so you can stake out your property and uh, look forward to chatting with you on the next one. All right. Sounds good. You have a good one. All right, brother. You too. See ya. Yeah, we'll see ya. There you have it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Pray and Slam podcast today. If you find what we do entertaining, please go to whatever uh, platform you listen to the Pray and Slam podcast on and give us a five-star review. Also help us out by checking out our content at lightthefireoutdoors.com. All kinds of great stuff there, videos, uh, blog entries, obviously all the Praying and Slam episodes. And you can also check us out at Facebook and Instagram at lightthefireoutdoors.com. Thanks again, guys. We'll catch you in the next one and keep praying and slaying.